to Matthew chapter 8. And I want to ask this question, and at the beginning of my studies, I thought that this is what we would talk about on Sunday morning, and then it ended up obviously not being that way. Uh, I'm just going to read the passage one more time and then really just go through this. Uh, and we don't have any questions at the end, but if there's if we have some time and you'd like to share something, uh, then we will take some time for that. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. The men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? So this morning, uh, the the main point of the of the message was how the storms are used to help us see Jesus, and and that that we'll see that at the end of this. But I asked a question here at the beginning. What good are the storms? What's the purpose of a storm in my life? And so I'm just going to read through these and make some comments as we go along. If you look number one there, if you're using notes, storms are going to come to those who follow Jesus. We don't want to fool ourselves and, and make ourselves believe anything differently. Uh, storms are going to come. There is a cost to being a disciple. And Jesus promised that just a few verses before when he talked to the scribe, and the scribe said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, well, do you know what this means? Do you know what this is going to cost? Foxes have places to, to, to bed down at night, and birds have nests. I don't have a place. Now, we know the stories of Jesus being in friends' houses like Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, and, and finding places to be. Obviously, Peter had a house, and he was, in, he was just in Peter's house. Um, he has boats at his disposal. He's got... Judas is a treasurer. They've got some things. They're not completely impoverished, but there is no guarantee of what is to come uh, as far as worldly concerns are going to be. Jesus said there is a cost, and, and we see the storm as really the first cost of discipleship that Matthew brings up to us. There, it's going to cost you something to follow me. And in and, and following Jesus, and notice the storm here tells us that following Jesus does not guarantee safety. And it does not guarantee calm and comfort. You know, one of the things that, that we usually ask for if you're, if, you know, when we go on a trip, uh, one of the first things we ask is, God, give us safety. Uh, and, and safety is very important to us as, as human beings. We want to be safe. We want a, a roof that doesn't leak. We want a house that's not going to collapse on us. We want a car that's not going to break down on the side of the road. We want safety for our kids. Uh, we, we pad everything and lock up everything and put helmets on everybody and we do all of these things in the name of safety. And somehow we carry that, that, that desire for safety into following Christ. But following Jesus isn't necessarily a guarantee of safety. Uh, that, that is, that is definitely proven here in a storm that, uh, we were just having a conversation this afternoon at the Sears and, and, uh, myself and Georgia was there and Josh was there. He wasn't contributing at all to the conversation, but, uh, he was there. And um, uh, there was a thought, I can't remember who said it, but it, you know, there were other boats there. And, and there was the, the, someone mentioned, you know, wonder if someone else died in the storm from one of the other boats. And it was just the Jesus' boat. And we don't, we don't really know a lot about what happened. I, I, mentioned, I remember thinking and mentioning that there's a lot of frustrating piece, uh, there are a lot of frustrating pieces to this uh, 
to this story that I wish left answered. It's a, it's kind of reading a book that doesn't tie up all the, the ends or re- watching a movie that doesn't, uh, resolve all the conflicts. And there's a lot left here because that's not what Matthew's, he's not trying to tell us every detail of the story. He's trying to get us to one point. And so I get frustrated and I read it and I think, well, what happened to the rest of these guys? And what'd you say? And how did Jesus respond to that? What manner of man is this? And oh, we don't, we don't have all of that to, to help us out here. But storms, we have to recognize, storms are going to come. Uh, and the lesson here is, again, not that God is going to calm all the storms in your life. Can God calm the storms in your life? Yes, of course. We learned that all the way at the beginning of chapter 8 when he heals a leper. If you will, you can. But the question is not if God can. The question is, will God? Can, uh, will God do what I would like him to do? Uh, so in the storm, yes, God can calm the storm. Uh, remember, God could have diverted you around the storm. He could have done all of these things to protect you and keep you safe, but He doesn't. Think about the children of Israel. If you've ever looked on a map, you know, when you, when you look in those maps in the back of your Bible, and you look at where Egypt is, and you look at where Israel is, and if they were going to be led to the promised land, they didn't go the right way. They walked a long way around. Uh, and it wasn't because they got lost. It was because God was taking them into the wilderness Get them prepared. They weren't ready for the promised land yet. They had challenges and they had, they had things that they had to figure out. And God knew all of that. And there were a lot of hardships in the wilderness. There was no food. There was no water. There were dangers out there that, that they had never had to face. And yet God brought them that way on purpose. And that's what God does with us in the storms. So the storms are going to come, but they happen to everybody. So don't feel like, well, because I'm a Christian, I'm going to be in the storms or because I'm a Christian, I'm not going to have any storms. You have storms in your life just like everybody else out there that doesn't believe in God. We all go through it. The difference is we have someone in the boat with us who is not in the boat with them. So don't follow Jesus to avoid the storms. Don't come into that thinking that that's what's going to happen because sometimes storms come because we follow Jesus. If Jesus wanted them to, if God's plan was for the disciples to see Jesus in a brand new way, that meant that if they were going to follow him, then they were going to be in a storm. Which means that the two guys that we just talked about a few, a few verses ago, if they didn't follow, they didn't, they weren't in a storm. You can say, well, I don't want any storms in my life. Well, maybe following Jesus isn't what you, what you should be doing there. Because if you follow Jesus, that's probably what's going to happen because it's in those times that we see Christ. Alright, so number two. The beauty of the storms is that storms can drive us to God. We see that in verse number 25. It says, they went and woke Him, saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. So again, I mentioned it this morning. Jesus isn't you know, a captain of a boat. He's a carpenter in His day job. You know, and, and then He becomes a preacher. He's not, he's not one that... that, that in human speaking, we would look and say, oh yeah, he knows that what to do here. But even the greatest fishermen, the greatest sea captains are still at the mercy of the wind and the waves when they're out in the middle of the ocean. Uh, that, that, that ocean's a big one. Is it, was anyone ever in the Navy in here? Anybody ever in the Navy? No? Anybody ever been out in the middle of the ocean, like on a cruise or anywhere, flown over the water? And you realize, have you ever been to parts of the, parts of the ocean where you can look in any direction and all you see is water? And you're not even in the middle of it yet. And I remember someone saying, and that's only the top of it. I mean, there's a lot more there. There's a lot of ocean out there. 
And when you're out there, you realize you're about that big. And you are no longer master of your domain. You are at the wind, the will of the wind and the waves. And this is, this is where these guys are. They're helpless. They're hopeless. And they feel that they are all alone. And they go to Christ. Great idea. When you're in, when you're in a storm, when you're in a problem, go to Christ. Now, their prayer was not wrong. What they did, how they responded to Jesus, or what they did to respond to Jesus, that was the best thing to do. It was really the only thing to do. And we don't know how long they took and all of that. It's not the story of Jonah where we get all that. Well, they tried to lighten the load and they tried to do this and this and that. And then they went to Jesus. They just The Bible just tells us they went to Jesus. And that's exactly what they should have done uh, because that was the purpose of the storm was to get them focused on Christ. Remember, just in a little while, they're going to be in another storm. Jesus is not going to be in the boat with them. And all of a sudden they see a ghost coming on the water, right? And they're like, oh no, it's a ghost. And then they, uh, they say, someone says, uh, or Jesus says, it's eyes. Be not afraid. It's me. It's Jesus. I'm coming. I'm catching up to you guys. And Peter says, well, if it is you, then let me come out on the water and walk out. And he does. And when does Peter sink? When he takes his eyes off Christ. When he looks around at his circumstances instead of looking at Christ and he sinks. And then, even then, I real, I think, okay, Jesus is going to pull him up and say, nice try, Peter. At least you made it this far. And then he says, why did you doubt? Little faith. <laughs> Thank you. You know, there's 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 more to this than what I'm what I'm getting out of this. Uh, that that we we look to Christ, but even in our even in our turning to Christ, there's still it's still mixed with doubt and fear and uncertainty. Uh, their fear turned them to Christ. But one writer, uh, and it's an unknown an unknown author here, but he wrote that Jesus doesn't chide them for disturbing him with their prayers. He wasn't upset with them because he woke they woke him up. He wasn't a cranky morning person. He didn't he wasn't mad because they disturbed his sleep. It says that he was he chided them for disturbing themselves with their fears. That's why Jesus spoke this way to them. Oh, why are you afraid, oh you little faith? It wasn't, hey, you shouldn't have come to me, guys. You should have figured this out yourself. It was the 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 way, the underlying motive why you're coming to me. You have disturbed yourselves. Again, if you recognize who the Messiah is and that the Messiah is going to die, and it's been told for hundreds of years how he's going to die, not on a boat, not in a storm. And this is, this, this, is, this is Jesus, the Son of God. So God created all of this stuff. There's no way he's going to die in the boat, in anywhere, unless he chooses to do so. You're in the safest, safest place that you could be, right with the Messiah who's not on Calvary. There's no crosses nearby. This is the best place. You know that, that nothing's going to happen, at least to him. Uh, and yet they, they didn't catch that. And so, uh, and, and, and I mentioned in Mark where they said that, that, uh, don't you care that we perish? So we need to remember that the storms drive us to God because believers are not alone in their storms. Now, there are people, I said everybody goes through storms. Everybody has problems. Everybody d- deals with issues in their lives. But those who are in Christ are not alone in that storm. You might deal with the same health issues that everybody else deals with, or you have the same broken families, or you have the same backstory problems that everybody else deals with, or maybe worse than most people, but there are other people that are, that are going through what you do or worse. But if you're in Christ, He's there with you. He is um, going through the exact same things with you. He's given us His Spirit, and believers are never alone. So instead of looking at the storm that is around you, look to the Savior who is with you in the boat. 
Uh, he's with you in, in, your, in your life. He, you're in Christ. You're a new creation. And so we need to trust the, those things. Number three, uh, storms. What good are storms? Well, storms reveal our little faith. And that may not seem like a good thing, but it's a helpful thing. Because you can't grow that faith until you realize how little and paltry it actually is. We see there in verse number 26 is uh, what Jesus says there to him. He said to him, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? So Jesus answers his own question by in the second part. He says, why are you afraid? The reason they're afraid is because they are of little faith. And many times Jesus uh, kind of says that to his disciples. You don't have a lot of faith. Uh, and another, I made a little chart, and I didn't bring it in here with me, but of the different the differences between the three passages. And one of the differences in one of the other gospel accounts is that he says, have you have you still no faith? He's saying, do you guys still have no faith? I mean, you still don't get it yet, do you? And here he's at least saying, you, you're a little faith. You, you don't have a you don't have a lot. You don't have an, enough to to get you through this without being terrified of what's happening to you. And storms will do that to us. Uh, Grant Osborne describes this as an inadequate God centeredness. We are we are not adequately centered on God. We're centered on other things. We're, we're anchored on other things that prove to be faulty, shaky, unstable, and we're not focused firm on Christ. Because if we were, we wouldn't be fearing in the storm. I did, I, I did some thinking this week about if we were like Jesus exactly, how would, or if the disciples were exactly like Jesus, how would they have responded to the storm? And one of the things was they probably would have fallen asleep, Jesus did. They wouldn't have been afraid like Jesus wasn't. And, and, and I can't, and I say, okay, so be more like Jesus and start going to sleep when it storms outside and stop being afraid. But that's, that's a lot easier said than done. How do you say stop being afraid? Well, the, 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 the solution to that is not necessarily an easy one, but it's, it's given to us there. It's by bigger faith. It's, it's by an increased faith. Uh, Grant Osborne wrote, they cry out to Jesus for help. And so at the deepest level, do have, do have a basic trust, but they also feel that they're about to perish. And so it is terror rather than faith that drives them. So even in their going to God, they were kind of doing it with the wrong motives. Like, we are terrified, Jesus, I want you to fix it. And I'm not saying don't go to God in your fear. I mean, that's, that's where it gets fixed. But there is a better way to go to God. Uh, there is a better way to, 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 prove your, to show greater faith in our storms. Uh, under that, with that, here's storms don't mean that you don't have peace. A storm means that there's no calm around you. A storm means that it's, it's no, there's no quiet around you, but that doesn't mean that you can't have quiet and calm and peace inside you. Everything else can be going around around you wrong. Chaos and, and thunder and lightning and wind and waves and, and just tumult and all this. But inside of the believer, there is the option for peace. But Paul talks about the peace that passes all understanding. I don't get it. How could you be so peaceful in a time like this? How can you sleep in a boat? Peace. I'm not worried about it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stressed out about what's going to happen because I know it's not going to end badly. And, and even I was reading uh, this week and, and, and one of the writers brought out the fact that even if you did drown, you wake up in instant heaven. Win-win. Okay, you died. You're in heaven. You're a believer in Christ. You're with God. How is that bad? It, that's better than surviving and staying on this earth. And so there's, there's, 
it's a it's a win-win for the believer. And so we don't have to be uh so uptight and so stressed stressed out because of the things that happen in our life. Now that again, that's easier said than done. I deal with that. We deal with stuff in our own lives and we and, 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 and constantly uh trying to de uh de-stress. Like I realize you are way more stressed out about this than you need. You need to calm down. You need to you need to chill out. And we deal with this on a day-to-day basis. And uh, but but I, let me share just a couple of verses with you. You can look on on your own. I won't have I won't, I won't take the time to read them now. But uh, sleep is actually a gift from God. God gives His beloved sleep. Let me give you a couple of verses if you want to write them down. You can look at them later on. Psalm three, verses five and six is is uh, one talks about he, God gives his beloved sleep. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8. And then Psalm 127, verse 2. And, it, and it's all about how that God gives his, his loved ones sleep. But also those verses teach us that sleeping in difficult situations, being able to rest in stressful times, is a sign that you're trusting in God. Is there anybody in here that you cannot fly on an airplane? You, or I'm sorry, you can't sleep on an airplane? Is there anybody in here like you can't sleep on an airplane? Okay, two pe- three people and two of them related to me. Uh, is there anybody that you can sleep anywhere at any time? Okay, how about this? Is there anybody that you know that if they're driving the car, you can't go to sleep, a.k.a. your wife? Okay, all right. Why is that? Why is that? Why can't you sleep when they're driving or when they're flying? Do you know how to fly the plane? Have you ever watched someone, maybe you've done it, you're on an airplane and you get a little turbulence, what do we do? We grab the seat because that's going to stop the plane from falling. You're going to go down in flames gripping the seat or you're going to go down, woohoo, here we go. But either way, it's not is going to happen without you stressing out about it. Why do... If you can sleep on a plane, it's because you say, you know what, I trust that pilot, it's going to be okay. Or if you can sleep uh, in the in the car with that person driving, you say, you know what, they've got it. I'm okay. I was actually, when we were at camp, a friend of mine told me a story that he was sleeping and his father-in-law was driving the car and he dreamed that they were in the car driving. And in the car, in the dream, he thought that his father-in-law was drifting off the road, and so he reached out and grabbed the wheel, and in real life he did that, and he's still sleeping this whole time. And so his father-in-law's fighting him, in real life, fighting him, and he's fighting in his sleep, and his wife's in the back hitting him, waking him up, and uh, scary times. Uh, you know, and, and it, made for, it makes for a great story to share at campfires. But, you know, there, it's, a, it's a trust issue, and God gives those whom he loves and those who trust him Sweet, deep sleep. What What is the one thing that usually goes away from us when we're stressed out? Just can't sleep. We're up all night, pacing, worrying, thinking. When we trust, when we when God gives us peace and uh, we can sleep deeply. Uh, so th- those are some verses now. But now, now sleep is not necessarily a universal sign of that because obviously we know about Jonah, right? Jonah was able to sleep in the boat and he wasn't, you know, at peace with God. So it's not a universal sign necessarily, but um, there's some verses that are interesting about about the, the sleeping in the storm. Now, storms can show us what we fear and where our faith is. Storms 
you know, think about it. Jesus and the disciples. Two different reactions in the same boat, same storm. Jesus wasn't afraid, but the disciples were. Their faith. Jesus' faith, he, he trusted the Father. The Father's going to take care of this. They didn't. They didn't have any, they didn't know what to do. They were hopeless. So, so storms show us what we fear and where our faith is. And, and here, and here's the thing, and this is kind of an encouragement, really, if you're going through storms, just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean you're going to get everything right in your lives. You know, when we look around at other people and we think, man, if so and so was in my situation, they would have handled it so much better than I did. But really, we are all dealing with things, and we think about these disciples, they, they spent time with Jesus, and they, they, they thought they knew everything there was to know and have learned, and then their, the storm kind of proves how far they have to go. And it's an encouragement to me as I read it and think, okay, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fall on my face sometimes. And, you know, you could probably look and think, man, you should have had that figured out by now. But when I look at situations like this, and at least it's encouraging there that um, followers of Jesus being baptized, being a commitment, becoming the deacon, becoming the pastor, whatever maybe doesn't mean you've arrived. There's always more to learn. There's always more. Uh, to, there's more ground to gain. We still have struggles. We still have fears. We still have doubts. We we all deal with them maybe differently at different ages and stages in life. Maybe in different things and temptations and sins that we deal with or the particular storms that God brings us through. We're all going to struggle. Sometimes I don't know that if there's a win win-win situation where you're going to pass through that sometimes I think that there's no way that the disciples could have handled that any differently. It was just they're human. They're just they're sinners. That's how sinners respond. But there is a Savior who takes it anyways, who, who lets us come to Him regardless of our doubts. Number four, storms are never out of God's control. We see that in verse 26 and verse number 27, specifically where He gets up and He rebukes the storm. I see this as like a, a, a child misbehaving and Jesus gets up and says, guys, stop it. Sit down. Hush. Just like you would with a kid that's, that's misbehaving. And the storm rightly does so. Imagine, I wonder, you know, I, don't, I, wasn't, I wasn't there, obviously, in case you were wondering. I wasn't there to see it all happen. But in my mind, I keep thinking, the wind stops, right? Well, they're on boats that need wind to sail. So I wonder, you know, I'm kind of personifying the wind here, but I wonder if the wind was like, when is it okay to start blowing again? Because these guys can't go anywhere until we go. So they're, they're kind of stuck there just like in the water. And, but no one's, no one's making a move. Jesus told us to stop. I ain't, I ain't going. I ain't blowing right now. The wind, the water's not moving. We ain't moving. Jesus told us to stop. Maybe Jesus needed to say, okay, guys, I'll keep it under control. Not gently. But it's all under his control. He's never like, oh man, what am I going to do here? Oof. Here we go. He just gets up and says, guys, knock it off. Peace be still. Calm down. You woke me up, guys. You bothered my disciples. Calm down. And they do. He's got the authority of all these things under him. He can say, you know what? Hey, you fish, you jump in my net. You haven't jumped in, been in a net all night, but all you fish over there, get in this net right now. And they do. Here's a fish with a coin in his mouth. You know, all of these things that, that, that Jesus can do that are just remarkable to us. Like, How could you do that? Because he's God. He is in control at all times. Jesus didn't fear the storm. And he wondered why they did. He was worried, or he was wondering why they were worried. 
because God sees storms differently than you and I do. We see them as scary things, and He sees them as teaching moments. We see them as, oh no, we might not make it through this, and He's seeing them as, I want you to learn some things through this. That's why He can sleep through storms and we can worry and despair. Uh, the storms obey Christ. I like that. Even the wind and the waves obey Him. He issued a command and they did what He said. Lastly, number five, storms can be where our faith increases. And that's kind of what we uh, studied this morning, but just a couple more things about that and, and we'll, we'll belabor, the, the, we won't repeat too many of the things that we said. Storms can be where our faith increases. That's the beauty, that's the benefit of being in a storm is that's where, first of all, you find out how weak your faith is or how lacking where the spots are. It's the, the, uh, the crack in your theology. How big is God? Well, you find out when you're in the storm. Well, here, uh, it, it helps not only to show you what's wrong, but then it can help you. Uh, it can provide the location for growth. The disciples learned more about Jesus first by following Him and by going through a storm with Him. If they had not followed Jesus, let's, let's say that the, that the scribe and the other disciple that said they would follow, but then, then Jesus kind of gave them the bad, the, the bad uh, response. Let's say that they didn't. They didn't grow that night. Their faith in Christ did not increase because they weren't on that boat. But also, the disciples benefited because they had been in the storm. Because in future, they know not only does Jesus heal lepers, and He can heal from a distance, the centurion's son. He can uh, cast out demons. This guy can do literally anything. He is more than just a man. And whether it be through salvation from the storm or sustaining through the storm, God uh, will, will work. Uh, God, God helps us. And it's in the storm that we learn and specifically see, experience God's provision and His protection. So those storms are beneficial. We look at them and say, Ugh, no, I don't want that. If I see it coming, I'm going around it. I'm not, or I'm going to wait until it passes. And, and the only times that we are, we, you know, kind of are okay with the storm is when, well, I couldn't have avoided that. But see here, if we see it the way God does, you know what? These things can teach us. They can grow us. And when we're in the middle of them, these, these bad situations in our lives, we turn to Christ. Okay. I need to see you in this. What, what's, what's missing in my life right now? What, what, what am I ill prepared for? Cause that's when you find out. You know, I filled the baptistry this week. The first time I filled, I think Larry, you, you were there and, and maybe, maybe I called you too. First time we filled the baptistry, it started leaking. That's a bad thing. Well, now every time I fill the baptistry, I'm worried about it. And so several times I walked over here this week to make sure you still feel good. You're not flooding the basement or anything because, uh, it, you don't know where the holes are until you fill it up with water. And you won't know where the holes are in your Christianity, if you will, until they're tested. And once it's tested, then you find out and then you can do something about it. But the storms are what do that for us. Father, thank You for Your Word. And thank You for the promises that You contain, that You give us in it. Thank You for these two young men that have made the commitment to follow You. And we pray that You would just strengthen their resolve. I pray that they would uh, never forget uh, their commitments and the, the responsibilities now to you and to our church. We pray that you will 
Bless us as a, as a church family. Help us as we go through storms and ups and downs in our life. We pray that you will help us to turn to you as our first resort rather than try to figure out it, figure it out on our own. And then help us as we look to those around us that may be going through private difficulties and, and pains. May we be considerate, compassionate, sympathetic to them. Do what we can to bring them before you in prayer. To remind them to turn their eyes to you. God, just help us, please, this week as we go out into the community, into our jobs, and into our different places. May we be the light that you call us to be in those places. Maybe even those outside of the community, the Christian community that are going through battles and storms. May we have a word to say to point their eyes to you. And we pray that you would use the storms in our lives and in those around us to bring ultimate honor and glory to yourself. For, uh, for, these reason, for that reason alone that we exist and that we meet in this place and worship and sing and study. We do pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you.